for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. I had you muted. <laughs> that was on me. This time it was me. It was me. <laughs> oh, I can't control myself. I am in the giddiest mood I think I've ever been in. Ever. Yeah, well, it's it's a good time because we're gonna be we're gonna be reviewing Halloween ends this week. I'm your other co-host, Cam. We're we're off to a roar and start here, Kirk. That, that was probably the worst open in the history of popcorn for breakfast, and that's that's saying something. But um, yeah. Let's try to reset the reset the energy here. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's salvageable. Now. You were you were looking uh, scared of of Michael Myers, which is why I got all shook up there. Uh, we're reviewing Halloween Ends, which is the finale question mark of the Halloween series, yeah. and that is not a spoiler. That is not because honestly, th- that's not me saying oh it ends unambiguously or 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 ambiguously. I'm just I'm just being goober. Okay, so don't read into that. But while we're on the topic of spoilers, I have to say we will be discussing spoilers. So right out front, if you have not seen Halloween Ends and you are concerned about spoilers, we have to, because the movie's called Halloween Ends, we have to talk about spoilers. So we're going to talk about them. Um, so go watch it on Peacock or watch it in theaters and then come back to us. Do people have Peacock subscriptions, Kirk? I mean, uh, I do. Uh, you, you and I share one. Um, don't tell NBC Universal. No, <laughs> uh, we do share one. Do other people have have these subscriptions? Absolutely not. They have the free version. They cannot watch this on Peacock because they do not have Peacock Premium. No one else, aside from six other movie critics, have <laughs> Peacock Premium. Yeah, I, I always wear it as kind of like a a badge of shame that I have it. Like, I don't, I don't want people to know, like whenever I Venmo request you for the $2 and 50 cents that it costs every month, I'm always like, please, nobody, nobody see this. Please. Nobody see that. I'm asking Kirk for money for pe- for real peacock because it's, it's uh shocking. And that's not that it's just that it's peacock. Like I use it for soccer. We use it occasionally for movies, but as a platform, or really just as a something to pay for it is it is not the most honorable thing to pay for in my opinion not at all not at all my wife uses it nightly for parks and rec and then the office uh, yeah. she rotates yeah, yeah yeah that's that's respectable i think it it becomes like i like the user interface actually of peacock i think i've talked about this before i actually think the user interface is fine um and i'm a huge jerk about user interfaces whenever they're not fine so that's saying something but I think it's fine. I think what's really frustrating about this platform is like, so take for example, this movie, right? They're advertising it everywhere on the platform. Like Halloween ends. It's a big deal. Come watch it. Right. Well, let's say if you go watch it like we did, and then you want to watch the other movies because you're like, I'm in a Halloween mood. Halloween one, the very first one, not on there. Halloween, the one that came out in 2018, not on there. Halloween kills came out last year, not on there. None of it's on there. What that is embarrassing. What are they doing with their rights to these movies? Like one of them's on HBO Max, one of them's on Fubo or whatever the heck, Tubi. I'm just like Tubi. this is this is preposterous. It's an embarrassment. Yeah, it's that's quite the miss on their part. I mean, they have cashed in hard on the Halloween series and to not even have 
<laughs> the option to watch the other movies is I mean, come just on. absurd. Uh, like, what are they doing? Are they just like auctioning off their like <laughs> rights? They're like, yeah, $3 like to whoever, as soon as the movie's right. released, like whoever's signing these deals for these release windows of like, whatever, like the P1 window and the P2, whatever, they have all this terminology. They're doing a, to- a to- uh, just a terrible, horrible job. I, I was trying to say terrible and horrible at the same time. I said horrible. They're doing <laughs> a horrible job. A horrible job. And, you know, who pulled the short <laughs> stick to actually have to pay money to stream on their platform Halloween Kills because that movie I was know. atrocious. I know. I feel, I feel bad about that. Um, <laughs> I feel <laughs> it was... You know, after I watched this one, I felt far removed from the one that came out in 2018. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'll go watch that. You know, I'll just go throw it on just to kind of reacquaint myself because Halloween Kills is still fresh in my head, but the 2018 one is not. And it was like, you can get it for $3.99 on Amazon. I was like, absolutely not. That is not happening. There are a few films very few films I pay for anymore. Very few. No, because and we all pay a thousand dollars in monthlies to every subscription service. And if it's not on there, then screw it. That's my, that's right. my point of view. You um, know what I found uh, quite strange uh, most of the time, and this is not the case with Halloween 2018 uh, is that a lot of them are on are rentable through your local library. Uh, oh, Hoopla. <laughs> yeah. Hoopla. Yeah. Big digital platform. If you, if you have a membership to your local library, Hoopla, is dominating that space for random movies I like to watch. And it's pretty exciting. It is not the case, again, with Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, or Halloween Ends. I'm so sorry to tease that to you yeah. and then immediately rip it out from But I think you. maybe the first one, maybe like the the OG oh, might be on there. It was on Roku for a while. Um, actually, a good amount of original horror films are on the Roku channel for anybody who has Roku. That's so true. That's true. Check no, that out. Fubo. Um, Subscription to Fubo. <laughs> Who has no one, embarrassingly no one no than one. Peacock? Who has an actual subscription to Fubo? I don't know that it's more embarrassingly because I think Fubo has live TV like cable through it. So maybe some people have it through that instead of like what are the other sling Hulu direct TV stream, which all that stuff is no trash. We have direct TV stream and I hate it. It costs a crap load of money. It sucks. Um, yeah, it's disgusting. Anyway, today we're talking about Halloween ends and I should preface this because it's spooky season. We're talking about scary movies. The thing that scared me most Kirk was actually having to sit down and watch this movie because I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. I went back and listened to our episode from last year when we reviewed Halloween kills and you and I destroyed that movie. I mean, tore nice. it piece by piece. Just, just, it was disgusting. I mean, it was, it was, it was revolting. We each gave it a 2.0 out of 10. Having not at all talked to each other about it beforehand, we both saw that and we're like, yeah, that's a two. That's a two out of 10. <laughs> um, so that speaks for itself. So I was scared to check this one out, but Kirk, we got to get into it, man. It's, it's time. It's time to figure out what we thought. And, uh, you have the honor of synopsing. Are you laughing at my picture? Is that what you're I'm laughing? Dying at the picture. <laughs> so if you moments before we hit record, ladies and gents, Cam was just hunting for a piece of promo art for this movie. And he said, This is terrible. <laughs> I'm using it. Yep. And 
I thought nothing else of it. This has happened many times before. But this promo art, you can see it if you follow us on YouTube, on Discord, on any of the social medias. We'll try to grab a, a screenshot of it too, maybe. This has Michael Myers, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, and some text that just says, Ends. Ends. This Halloween. <laughs> Ends is in size like 72 font. <laughs> this Halloween is like a, like a, like a, 20% of that, and it doesn't even say anywhere on there Halloween ends, which is the actual title of this movie. <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers to me. It's hideous. It's horrible. This was somewhere, this was someone's idea, and some yeah. poor creative was paid to to build this, and they probably were crying as they did it because this <laughs> this is horrible. It like They're like, well, you know, Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, people see that, they'll know that it's Halloween, it's like, yeah, of course, of course they will. But the fact that you just put ends, it's like the dumbest, cheesiest, corniest piece of garbage ever. And yuck, it's so horrible. I cannot stop. Oh, Can't stop looking at it. And then to speak further to Peacock fame, it even said like they didn't put the title, but they made sure to say in theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> ugh, I don't know if this is the best ad for anything. I don't think it's the best ad for the movie or for Peacock. Oh. Um, it's really bad. But I decided to highlight it um, here because <laughs> I am ashamed of it and, and they should be ashamed of it. But we Kirk, are shaming people publicly here. <laughs> that's on Popcorn right. For breakfast. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing this week. Um, but Kirk. You have the duty of synopsing this film this week. So whenever you are ready to go, fire away. I don't know if I'll ever be ready for for this. Um, I'll try to keep my composure here. Halloween ends. In Haddonfield, Illinois, where the boogeyman never really dies, Laurie Strode continues to fight the demons of her past while looking to the future. As fate would have it, though her old foe, Michael Myers, is still not really gone. Vengeance runs deep in his blood, this time with a thirst for passing on his flame. Michael Myers stars in Halloween Ends, streaming on Peacock. <laughs> you know, you know that part. Everybody knows that part, Kurt. The score. I don't know that. Part. <laughs> oh, come on! Everybody oh knows God. that part. It's John Carpenter. <laughs> it's a big deal. Oh man, this is oh. this is off the rails. I mean, this is going. This is. This is going to be PFB ends is going to be the name of this episode because we're not going to be able to recover from the listenership loss that we have after this episode. But I think we just gained like a hundred because of your dedication <laughs> to the score. Thanks, man. Um, I don't even know what you said, but I assume you did a great job. I was so focused on singing my song for whatever reason. Um, but this is it. This is Halloween ends. Though we talked about it on the podcast before, and I'm going to call this out because, you know, we're talking spoilers. John Carpenter legit said in an interview that he'll, he, somebody was like, so this is the end, right? And he was like, I don't know. He was like, if, if it keeps making money, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, if it's going to keep making money, I'll do it. Which is, first of all, just baller, baller time to be like, I'm here for dollars and dollars only. Um, I just love that, that slant, like way, way to be. Um, but also like, this appears to be the most final death of, of Michael Myers, and we'll talk about it more. He, he often appears dead in this franchise, um, both in the 
really every sequel, every original, they all they all appear to kill him. But this time seemed to to do the trick. So we'll get into that, but let's view right. this and we'll talk about it later, but I, I'm kind of viewing this as the end of it. So maybe we'll have some chatter about what this means and, and where this series ranks or whatever. I don't know, but let's first start Kirk by talking about the performances in this movie, the, the many actors in this film. I want to know Kirk who your Oscar is going to this week. And the Oscar goes to miss Andy Matajak. I was very impressed with her. I, I think I was more impressed that she has been in all three of the movies. And this yep. was the first time I recognized her. No, I had no clue that she was the same actor as the previous ones. It's like, man, she's doing great. She's, she's actually committing to this character. She's got some motivations that are landing. Unlike her uh, counterpart, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, there's one scene in particular where there's a bedroom fight between Lori and uh, Andy's character, Allison, the granddaughter of Lori Strode. And she like to her grandmother grabs her arms and walks her to the doorway and then slams the door. Like no one touches their grandmother like that. No one, no. not a single person in this world. Uh, so that was the most unbelievable part. It was clearly a direction by the director that did not work. That did not work. But for the rest of this, no one, no one at all had anything or was close to her performance. It's that simple. She wins. Yeah, I have to agree. Can't believe you didn't recognize our girl, Allison with a Y um, from the original <laughs> first two movies in this series. How dare you? But I also went with Andy Matichak, so I am relieved. Sometimes a movie like this where there are so many bad performances can make you question <laughs> what good acting even looks like. And that sounds harsh, but it's, it's meant to. Um, and so I always need a little bit of a palate cleanser, but the whole time I'm going really the only performance that I'm actually enjoying in this film is Andy Matichak as Allison. I thought she was very good. I actually enjoyed her in the last film too. Um, I think she's, she's the clear standout. And I think on top of that, she is acting opposite some insane dialogue and directing choices in this movie. I mean, there, there are moments where I'm like, how do you even keep a straight face? Like when the screenplay is like, Corey says, I just killed someone. And then you like have to kiss. Like, how do you even mm. stay in? Or my favorite part, the part that made me really laugh out loud <laughs> was when um, Corey, the character Corey, um, who's played by Rohan Campbell, open, she opens the door to let him in, and he's like, I don't know what's happening to me, and just walks past her into the house. <laughs> like, and she had what appeared to be a somewhat natural reaction to that. And I'm like, kudos to you, because I'm listening to that line like, what in the world is going on? Um, so she was the only one, really, to me, who seemed like a real person in this movie. I thought she had some really awful scene partners with some really awful dialogue and she did it. She did a good job, honestly, in spite of it all. And not like a good job comparatively. Like I thought she honestly did good work. So yes. Andy Matishak, great job. Um, way to, way to power through. Yes. All right. And oh, go ahead. I mean, 
if I could publicly shame Jamie Lee Curtis in the town square for her performance in this and especially Halloween kills, I yeah, would. Yeah. I really I, would. I think that's fair. I think if there's ever been a paycheck grabbing situation, it's her. And I'm not here in, in, in these, in these movies specifically, that's what's going on here. And that's fine. I, I'm all about people getting their money, but I mean, it's like she has acted well before in her life. And even recently, like she was great in uh, everything everywhere all at once. People forget that she yes. was in that movie and did a great, great job and she's capable of doing it. But these movies have been an embarrassment and just a total black mark on her resume. It's I'm with you. I, I think public shaming is definitely warranted here. Right. But do you have a scene stealer Kirk? I do have a scene stealer. It was hard. It was hard to find one, but I did find someone. I have to go with our newcomer, Corey Cunningham. Uh, that's the name of the character. And if you look closely, it's double C's instead of double M's. Michael Myers, Corey Cunningham. His name is Rohan Campbell. You have seen him, maybe, if you watched the Hardy Boys uh, series that was ran for like 26 episodes. I thought it was a neat concept. I never saw it myself. But he starred in that. And now he's in this, um, well, he's in this movie. Let's just, let's just end it there. Um, I would have to say that no one expected this kid to have a role outside the first 10 minutes of this movie. And then he kept going (laughs) and he kept, uh, he did not get off the screen and you're like, Oh, this, this is our central character slash central villain. This is a very confusing take on the next chapter of the Halloween series. So, while it was the wrong choice for <laughs> for the structure of this movie, he, uh, you know, outwit, outlast, outplay. He did that much better than the others, and he gets, you know, the the honorable mention as the scene stealer in this film. So, yeah, he did a good job as best he could in the crazy, crazy circumstances that he was placed in. So, Rowan, good job. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that take. I, I did not pick him as my scene stealer, but I think, and, and we'll, we'll almost certainly get into it. Um, I know that I will. I think I had way more problems with the plot choices that were made around his character versus his performance. I think he was given simply an impossible task in yeah. this movie. Like, just plainly impossible. Like, you are thrown like you said thrown in in the opening scene of this movie you're believed to be you know every horror movie has that opening scene that's kind of a throwaway scene at least slashers do um and this totally has all the earmarks of that um he ends up kind of like involuntarily killing this kid maybe and then he the the character is created as like maybe possessed by Michael Myers or maybe just a total psychopath. And it's never really cleared up what's happening there. And the whole time he's like bouncing back and forth with his personality. And it's just impossible to make that work. Like it just, it just is. And so, yeah, at times like he has really good scenes, but the whole thing, the whole characterization is the way they decided to write this movie is yuck. I do, I do not understand that choice, but we'll get into yeah. it more. Yeah, the possession thing. Let's chat in a minute. That sounds good. Yeah, I I have to say, I 
have one scene stealer and I'm not even like totally bought into it. It was really tough, but I'm going with Michelle Dawson who played nurse Deb in this movie. She was the friend, the skanky nurse who was sleeping with the doctor to get promotions. Um, she only had a few scenes, but she, she played her role exceptionally well and was a great screen queen in the scene where she watches somebody get murdered and then is murdered herself. I thought that was like, textbook horror movie uh typecasting she stayed in her lane made good choices uh made herself made the audience react the exact way we were meant to to that character and um that was rare in this movie because there were so many times where i had no idea how we were supposed to feel towards things so she was a nice steady couple of scene player who did her job and got the heck out of there. And I, I thought that that was good. So nurse Deb, Michelle Jawson, good job. <laughs> they should make a spinoff. Nurse uh, Deb. Well, I guess, I guess it would need to be a prequel cause they totally offer stab her against the wall in this uh, great death. It's a great, it's an honorable death from Michael Myers. Honestly, I think it's the best yeah. kill. It, I think that those, that scene is probably the best two kills. Yeah. in the movie because I thought the what I thought was really cool the one time I really thought they used the like double killer situation good was that scene where yeah. she has just watched Corey Cunningham stab her boyfriend the doctor her sugar daddy to death mm-hmm. and he's she's she's she feels safe she's kind of like locked him out and is calling 911 and he's like banging at the glass trying to get at her. And then all of a sudden he drops her guard and she's like, what? And then boom, Michael Myers comes in. Like that was actually a good scene and enjoyed right. that. It was good. Um, it was probably the best kills in the movie. So let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the production. I think this is where we're going to spend the lion's share of our time on this movie. If I had to guess based on the very mm-hmm. little feedback on acting, but let's talk about the production. Kirk, what's your showstopper for Halloween ends? Well, first of all, I disagree. I'm going to spend the majority of my time in director's shoes tearing this movie apart. Sure. Yeah, I, I, meant, I meant this and director's shoes, really. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I would say if I had to um, nod and give something positively back to this film, I will say that so often we are given movies, um, particularly sequels, legacy sequels, whatever they are that are now a thing because of the success of Top Gun Maverick, where we see these very overproduced movies where the look of the movie doesn't even look like it's in the same world. Yes, time has passed, but it should at least look like it has a connection. Uh, In Halloween Kills, there was so much makeup caked on every single person that it was like, oh, this is a movie made in 2022. That's a movie made in 1970. Uh, Very big differences. You don't have to make it look like tell everyone not to wear makeup or tell them to wear less makeup, but you have to make the makeup look like that movie. And I thought this movie did a great job with makeup in particular. Um, There were two people that had way too much. um, Definitely Will Patton. Oh my goodness. I mean, caked on probably six inches of makeup on that man. And I love Will Patton. Uh, The other person was not all the time, but most of the time, uh, our, our hero, uh, Lori Strope, um, she had a, a, a little too much makeup caked on, but for the rest of it, everyone else 
looked their part. They looked like they bridged the gap between the original and the and the present times. It looked like this world existed together when you got to Michael Myers and we know what he's recently been through with the fire um, and uh, just multiple attacks and abrasions from, you know, his, his innate clumsiness, even though he is the personification of evil, uh, which is always hilarious. I think that that aspect of this really drew me to this because if you have a movie that's like picture perfect uh, with like overdone makeup, overdone lighting, think Hocus Pocus 2, that I'm, I'm immediately turned off because all I see is a studio. That's all I see. And this really took the time to say, this is the story. Let us paint the story and not paint literally on people's faces. So bravo to the makeup department. Yeah, I'm going a similar lane for this, uh, for my showstopper. I'm actually going with um, production design. I thought that, I thought that the overall design of the production was good. I thought that it looked like a Halloween movie. I thought that the the lighting and cinematography was good for a horror film. Most of the time, there was, um, they they had a good actually diversity of different textures and feels in Haddonfield. I think it was probably the most we've ever seen of Haddonfield, Illinois in this series with like the junkyard, the convenience store. Um, it looked way different from Halloween kills, but it looked way more real in this movie. It looked like an actual town. Um, they had the radio station with the radio tower. And even though at times they tried to do like, weird artsy like cyberpunk stuff with this movie with like the synth music and the the lighting on characters faces at times i do feel like the overall vision of the design of this movie was as sharp as it has been um to date um i thought it looked good and and i think that in halloween kills i remember being very distracted by how the film looked and by how the town looked and how the film was shot. Um, there were so many things that I just really took issue with. And this was the one portion of this film that I didn't take issue with was how it looked. And I give most of the credit to the set design and production design team on this movie. So well done. Bravo. All right, Kirk, let's, uh, both of us are leaning in a bad direction for this film. Let's talk about what we would have changed. Kirk, you have the floor director's shoes. Okay, strap in. Feel free to chat anytime you want to, if you want to. Yeah, I'll leave myself on the screen because I feel like we're going to have similar thoughts here. Yeah, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about the opening scene and how it was surprisingly nice that it was interconnected to the rest of the story. Plus, negative. There is, there are no redeemable circumstances for how your boy Corey Cunningham killed that kid. No, no. none. He goes to jail in every scenario. Yes. No questions oh, yes. asked. Yeah. He essentially just, you know, says sorry. And like, well, he's like burdened with it. Duh. But you cannot. He knew the child was on the other side of the door. He, he did. Knew it. He knew it. There was he no knew. question about it. He knew and it. He, he super kicked the door open. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and which was such a confusing, the way that they edited that was very confusing how that all went together. But presumably he super kicks the door. The handle hits that kid right in the dome and flips him over the banister, which I don't think is physically possible, especially given how high the banisters were. But right. I agree with you, Kirk. My, I was very distracted in the early part of the film by 
how is this dude not put away on this? Immediately. Two other things that crossed my mind. Is this the same house that they shot the sixth sense scene where oh. he goes to the birthday party and he, he finds the girl, uh, the, you know, the, the girl's room right at the top of the stairs and he gets locked in the little cupboard by the mean other kids. And, uh, or is this the house from Jumanji? It very much feels right, like the right, house right. from the OG did, Jumanji yeah. as well. Very open, big staircases and such. Those also crossed my mind. And so if we follow the path of your boy immediately goes to jail, then couldn't we have a very similar origin story to the Michael Myers goes to jail for a terrible, sinister crime, this time a little bit more accidental, okay? It wasn't a malicious, premeditated murder of someone in a house by themselves, right? And in this case, he maybe gets into some dark magic or something, and then maybe he he escapes himself and finds Michael Myers in the woods or in the sewers, and then we have the possession storyline. Such a huge missed opportunity here. Do you think he was possessed by Michael Myers, or do you think he's a psycho? I think he was possessed. I do. Yeah, I I felt that way as well, even though they really try to make it as confusing as possible, seemingly. Um, yeah. But it does sort of feel like with Michael letting him go when they have that exchange and the fact that his like whole life flashes before his eyes, I feel like that's them trying to tell us. But man, oh man, do they make it confusing as all get out and just leave you totally scratching your head the whole way through as to what this character is all about. Um, I, I would have preferred like Lori does this thing at the beginning of the movie where she's kind of talking about how the real damage that Michael Myers has done to the town is the paranoia, the fear, you know, people committing suicide, people like having issue, like mental issues as a result of what Michael Myers has done. I think that would have been an interesting way to keep playing that out. And I think the possession part undermines it. I think if they could have used the Corey Cunningham plot line to show like he, like if they would have had him actually accidentally kill that kid. And then the whole town thinks he's a murderous psycho because of the Michael Myers thing. Then it's like over time, he slowly turns into that because that's what everybody's telling him he is. I feel like that's way more powerful than the direction they decided to go, which is that Michael Myers is somehow able to possess this person. And that made no sense. Right. The build to that was nothing. They kept trying to do it. Like you saw that, um, Eminem, I'm going to call him, uh, Mike Myers, Eminem, that he was deteriorating, right? He, he was losing his strength. They showed just a glimpse of that and they should have amped it up, man. They should have absolutely blown it out of the water because that was their bread and butter to be able to allow him to die in his final scene. I mean, this is a man who has been shot thousands of times with no, uh, without a, without an even, uh, you know, hobble in his steps. So come on, this is exactly the time to do that. Uh, the possession, the, uh, he's never had those types of powers, but when they lock eyes in the sewer, there's a slight green tint to Michael's eye and we've never seen his eyes before. Um, and so like it just wasn't executed well. If you wanted the possession story, figure it out. Don't just try to be like, maybe he's possessed. Like it is a full on possession story that wasn't brought to fruition. I feel you so much. You know, there is uh, an incredible (laughs) video of Jamie Lee Curtis out there about this movie being about trauma. (laughs) And she says it in like a thousand different interviews. And 
they should have absolutely been able to explore that more. That's a great idea. And they didn't do it because the possession wiped it away just like that. Bummer for them. And that was like that and the fact that they made it so confusing. Like I I, originally when it happened, I was like, okay, he's possessed by Michael. But then I felt like they spent so much time making it weird to where it was like, okay, wait, what is going on here? Like there was no clear indicator for the audience to know what was going on with Corey Cunningham. And I feel like the first scene where they do have that exchange with where Michael lets him go and everybody's like, why would he let you go? Or the homeless guy's like, why would you let he let you go? Um, it's like, okay, we're all on board possession. Okay. Now just make that clear. And they just didn't, they didn't tell it with the rest of the story and they just made it weird. Um, so since my director shoes is kind of going on right now too, since we're kind of just vamping on this, I think the obvious elephant in the room is that this is, this is, the end of Michael Myers, right? And he's just totally a no-show in this movie. I mean, very little Michael Myers action. Way more happened in Halloween Kills with this character. And I feel like the the final battle between him and Laurie Strode, which is the payoff that everybody is coming to see, is so strange because Michael just kind of finds himself there. He's he's not there for her. He's just like, kind of stumbles into it you know he's like oh hey you know i'm here because my possessed minion is here and you know we're trying we're kind of working together to kill everybody in this town or whatever the heck they're doing and it just feels like michael kind of stumbles into laurie strode um which is weird because the only reason that Corey cunningham was there was because of allison um it's just a very bizarre thing and so then they have this very like ad hoc feeling battle where it's like, Oh, Hey, Michael Myers, you're here. Let, let me kill you. Um, which ends in the most bizarre way where they like take the mask off of Michael Myers, but you never see his full face ever, which is weird. Why even take the mask off? If you're not going to show his full face for better or worse, I don't think there's any way that payoff could ever work, but if you're going to take off the mask, show his full face and then her just like (laughs) slowly, slitting his throat, stabbing him in the rib cage, slitting his wrist. It's like, okay, like <laughs> what are we doing here? This is like a very weird, intimate kill scene. It's totally bizarre. Yeah. Intimate was right because, you know, she's been waiting for this for so long. However, it was the wrong kind of intimacy. If you wanted it to have like a weird undertone, um, which also plays to the final frame of this movie, maybe like have her peel up his mask, Spider-Man style, kiss him and then slit his throat or something like something weirdly weird. And then at the end, the final frame of this movie, they, she still has his mask in her house on her living room coffee table. Like that's so bizarre. Like she's keeping it as a trophy. That's that's strange. The only thing I can see is that (laughs) it was never Michael. It was always Lori under the mask or they were the pair. Right. But that, that also doesn't make sense. There, there's so many, no, they're weird... doing, yes, they're doing all these weird things that don't mean anything. They're just yes. like ambiguous, weird choices just to be like, Ooh, what if we did this shot? And it's like, yeah, what if you did, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and I don't think they were trying to say anything. Um, especially with Lori being like getting choked out by Michael and she's like, do it, do it, kill me. And I'm like, wait, what? Why why is your character saying that? You you just told him 
did you really think I would kill myself? Because you're yeah. like ready to end him and you're going to let him bring you down with him. I don't think that's something her character would want. No. That, that was so strange. Um, but far and away, the most hilariously jarring thing that happened in this whole movie was when the whole town drives his body down to the dump <laughs> and then throws his carcass into an industrial shredder like an ASMR YouTube video, and you watch him get crunched up and explode. I was scream laughing so hard at that, watching this movie by myself, because I was so shocked that that was the route they decided to go. Like, what are we doing? Also, another key element to that scene is that they strap him to the roof, you know, just in case he revives himself based on history. <clears throat> when they take him off the roof, they crowd surf him to. Yes, that they do. <laughs> <laughs> like, careful, he's a hero, you know, <laughs> Spider-Man like, 2. Like, <laughs> like Ozzy Osbourne in his prime, just going through the crowd. It's so <laughs> hilarious. Oh, man. There are so many weird choices in this movie. But I think really what it comes down to is just like this is supposed to be the final Halloween movie, right? You get certainly a very final looking Michael Myers death. Like everybody has been saying from the beginning, destroy the whole body. Throwing him in an industrial metal shredder feels like, yep, that's a good way to do that. So there's that. But you get a whole movie about this new character who's like possessed by Michael Myers, which is all new, you know, not been done in the series and it's just bizarre. And then you get like, first of all, just a really bad Laurie Strode performance again by Jamie Lee Curtis and just a horrible payoff, just the worst payoff ever. Yes. The only way I see this series going on, if they decided to right? if there's enough money for it would be, Halloween begins. <laughs> oh and, no. And we see we see the actual initial murder and then we have Michael Myers unmasked, mind you, in prison before he breaks out and seeing what went on there. Yeah. as well uh to to, to kick this whole thing off. I think that would be the only interesting way this could continue on. There's there's no sequel past this, obviously. No. Because they could have had it if they would have kept Corey Cunningham alive and the possession could have like creeped back up like, oh, Michael Myers never really left him and really yeah. never left his control. Um, that's gone. They, they, they offed him in the foyer in a weird, weird, weird way. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been interesting if the possession thing was unveiled at the end. Like, yes. Yeah, Michael Myers is dead, but look, Corey Cunningham is the new Michael Myers like somewhere like their whole relationship starts late in the movie in a weird way. And then they like get to the end and flash back to show what happened with him and Michael whenever they had their thing. And then it's like, Oh, he's, I mean, that could have been really cool. Yes. Um, I love it, but I don't want that. I'm glad that they didn't do that because I'm so ready for Halloween to be over. And I'm, I'm ready to give my score on this movie as I assume you are. But I just want to say that like, Halloween as a franchise is everything that's wrong with franchises. This is what this is what we as film fans hate about movie franchises. And you can do a franchise well, and many people do. And not all sequels are a bad thing. I know there's lots of purists out there who don't think anything should ever be sequeled. But this is certainly the best 
case study on what can go wrong when you sequel. Every one of these sequels has been bad one way or the other. None of them has had merit. None of them has been worth, you know, the squeeze. And the original film was so great. And if you had just left it alone, it would be the most iconic horror movie maybe of all time. And it just leave it just please, please leave it alone because it's still so great. And instead they've just diluted it and diluted it and diluted it until Michael Myers is just like a meme at this point. It's it's disgusting. (laughs) It's It's so true. Um, Just a quick number here, guys and gals, there are 13 movies in the Halloween franchise dating back to 1978, all the way up to here in 2022. Yeah, and they've even gone as far as to have multiple different canons, like multiple canonical things, and then to bring them back together in the last movie. They, like, referenced things that were not canon, and it was like, what? Now this is canon? It was just, like, how do you mess this up as bad as you did? It's crazy. It's crazy. Possibly my favorite title had to have been Halloween H2O. 20 years later. That's a good one. Yeah, it's very <laughs> stupid. Um, very stupid. Halloween kills is also extremely stupid because it's like Halloween kills. Like, what, what does that mean? Like <laughs> kills on Halloween. Halloween is killing people. It's like, no, Michael Myers is killing people. Halloween kills is stupid. Halloween ends actually makes sense, but yes, Halloween kills makes no sense. And then one of the other of the, of the, what did I say? 13? Yeah. Um, Halloween three, the original of the original trilogy, uh, Halloween three season of the witch, which I believe did not even feature Michael Myers in the film, which is also just hilarious that one of these 13 films does not even have him. I guess they were trying to, uh, in a very innovative way back in 1982, trying to figure out how to keep this franchise alive without their central character, which is kind of a thing these days. Yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Bad, Ouch. bad franchise. Um, Kirk, you want to, do you have anything else to say on this movie or you want to give your score? Yeah. Um, there is a horrible, just, just out of left field phrase. 25 minutes in Lori Strode is shouting at her granddaughter, encouraging her in a way. And she says something so crude about ripping off your shirt. And I'm like, why was this line necessary? Uh, and then the microwave, like her lunch explodes in it. It makes no sense. Completely untimely. Also, there's two terrible, terrible scenes that are uh, just terrible blocking. I mentioned the bedroom scene. There's also our first reintroduction to Will Patton from Halloween kills where you think like the scene is over and then he like pops into the car, <laughs> just like an unwanted friend. Um, and then there is just, Oh my goodness. My list is too long. My list is too long, ladies and gentlemen, but I just had to highlight those so much because they were so bad that I needed you to know how bad those were despite all of this, I kid you not, this movie is still better than Halloween Kills. I don't know why, but I find this a better film than Halloween Kills. I'm. It's not by a lot. It's not by a lot at all. But surely by um, Andy, who plays Allison, carrying the weight of this movie and story and plot on her back for the rest of her team, this movie gets a 2.9 out of 10 kernels for me. I will agree with you on two things. First of all, that Will Patton scene (laughs) where he puts both of his hands on the, 
on the car window <laughs> like a total weirdo and is like, you okay? And you can hear him perfectly clear even though the window is shut. Um, that is all-time bad cinema. I was laughing out loud at how bad that was. <laughs> the blocking truly was terrible in this movie. There were so many instances where characters popped into frame, said the most absurd line you've ever heard in your life, and then like brooded and walked away, and it was like, what just happened? Um, and I will also agree with you on this, that that Halloween ends is very ever so slightly better than Halloween kills. And that is not a feather in the cap of Halloween ends, but rather yet another scathing indictment on the quality of Halloween kills. I only gave this movie a 2.2 though. Disgusting. I, I just don't get it. Like, I know that so many people watch horror films just for the kills and the scares and the, and the jump scares and stuff. This movie doesn't even have that much like Halloween kills. It's not even a fun, scary movie. You don't get very many good kills. You get almost no creative kills in this movie. Um, and I don't think my heart rate increased one time watching this. It's just a yucky, terrible movie. Yeah. I would say the kill that was actually just grotesque. It wasn't even impressive or like, dude, did you see that one is when like, I don't know if it's like a radio DJ that somehow gets killed for some reason. And Oh, he chops like, off his tongue. They chop off his tongue. And then his tongue like skips on the record player. <laughs> yeah, it spins like, around on the turntable for like so way gross. too long. <laughs> like for like three minutes, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, also man. when, when Will Patton and, um, Jamie Lee Curtis do meet literally in the grocery store. All I could think of is that Christmas song. Met <laughs> <laughs> my own lover in the grocery store, and we laughed until we cried. Oh, like gosh. immediately, immediately. Yeah, shout out to the character they decided to bring back, which um, who is no longer able to speak. She was one of. She, I believe in the first in Halloween kills, Michael Myers like punched his way through a window and grabbed her throat and like slammed her against the wall. That was the one where her and her husband were playing with the drone. And I was like, please kill them with the drone, please kill them with the drone. And then he didn't. And I was like, why were they playing with a drone? If he wasn't going to kill them with it. So infuriating. So just seeing her again reminded me of my outrage at the lack of drone kills in Halloween kills. Oh my gosh. Wait, who was she? I don't, I don't even remember her. She was just one, one, you know, in, in Halloween kills, he just kind of like aimlessly wanders around and wrecks people. Right. Remember that scene. (laughs) So he just, there's a few houses he hits. Um, one that has the guy from mad TV in it. And one that has, um, this couple where it's the black woman and the white guy who are, just like laughing, having a good time playing with their drone, talking about Michael Myers. And he, he busts in and just starts wrecking those fools. And I was so mad that he didn't like shove the drone down somebody's throat because I'm like, why is this even in the scene? Right. Right. Uh, But then in, in ends, Oh, in ends, she's in the wheelchair coming out of the grocery store. When that other woman, like accosts Lori and is like, you're the one who provoked him to be here. And dude, my sister, I think she says like, my sister can't speak now because of you. And, and she's like right. really shook by it. Right. Um, I remember that I missed the wheelchair lady because I was just still singing old things. Yeah. In my head with yeah. It. Yeah. It's, That's, it's, it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing, but, 
bravo on the continuity. You, you know, they brought the bar back from Halloween Kills as they well. They did. Where they, you know, staged their coup. You know, oh, organized. man. The evil dies tonight. Uh, evil dies tonight. That was the worst, man. <laughs> the worst. Okay. Oh. Well, um, this has been a good time. Just once again, dragging another Halloween, Halloween movie. And... I love slasher movies. I really do. I, I love a good slasher. I thought the most recent Scream was awesome. Even the Scream yeah. sequels, I'm like, man, I always have a good time with those, even though some of them are just terrible. But the kills are fun. It's a good time. There's lots of good jump scares. But when you make a slasher film about yeah. Michael freaking Myers and you do it a couple times with no real fear in the movie, I just cannot allow that. I cannot stand for it. Right. That's why next week we will finally be getting Cameron to watch the Phantasm series. <laughs> Here we go again. Back Here we back go. To back to back. And on that note, we will have to bid you guys farewell. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Halloween ends. Maybe we're just way off base here. Maybe we missed some important plot detail that no. brings things into focus. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm just extending the olive branch to anybody who is listening to this that enjoyed the movie. I want to hear your thoughts. If you just like totally disagree with us, um, because Kirk and I were mostly aligned, and that's been the case on the last two. But I want to hear your thoughts. Hit us up anywhere you can find us on social media. We're all over the place. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube, wherever. Um, thank you so much for listening. I want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for our review of Black Adam. Talk to you then.